0: citizens welcome to the fortress of potitude i'm dave michaels i'm brian betts and we are the cape podcasters and this is the show where suck brew i've got a clue (laughs) it's the bit that won't die it won't die this is like dr seuss 2.0 man all over again i love it but more french it is more french than dr seuss yes i'll give you that (laughs) today We are talking about The Adventures of Tintin, which may or may not be called The Secret of the Unicorn, from 2011, directed by the Steven fucking Spielberg. Who? Never heard of her. Famous director Steven Spielberg. (laughs) I can't believe this is the first time we're doing a Spielberg. I can't believe it either. Also, I can't believe it's the first time Spielberg's doing an animated. Also true. Wild. I am very, very much on record. Me, my snobbish film self. Yeah, you. If anyone asks me who the greatest filmmaker of all time is, I don't hesitate to say Steven Spielberg. Wow. Because of everything that he's done in the past, jumping genres like crazy. Oh, big time. Being able to be successful in every genre, telling competent stories, brilliant shots, brilliant acting from his actors. He's amazing. This guy isn't so much of a film snob after all. I, I don't know. I mean, a lot of even film snobs have a ton of respect for the man. Yeah, He's I done just, it all. I feel like that might be a surprising answer to some people. That's fair. But I don't think you're wrong. But this is his first animated film, and that's wild just through and through. Yeah. Especially because this thing is done pretty much the same way that Avatar was done, which is nuts. For the most part, yeah. That, that is crazy. It was all motion capture, and Steven Spielberg shot. Every single frame of this movie himself. I didn't know he did every frame. Every frame. I know he did a lot of it. I didn't know he did all. According to Peter Jackson, who, let's call it what it is, he produced it. I call it co-directing at a point. (laughs) According to him, he Steven Spielberg shot every frame of this thing. Really? Yeah. That's and Peter Jackson was quote unquote on set every single day. They kind of videoed him in. And Steven Spielberg wanted to work with the people who did the VFX for Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson, and here you are. It's how they got the type of animation style that they wanted out of this. exactly. This really is a completely unique way to do a film. And I think visually it works. Oh, visually it's unreal. And we'll get to the rest of it. And we will... (laughs) Get to all of it. You want to just get into it? There is so much. There's a lot. A lot happens in this movie. Uh, Written by Stephen Moffat, Edgar Wright, and Joe Cornish. Right? People who are famous for being concise. All three of them. And getting from A to B. Oh yeah. (laughs) In no time at all. None of them have invented phrases like wibbly wobbly because they're so bad at telling linear stories. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into it. Let's do it. Tintin. Played by Jamie Bell. Voiced by Jamie Bell. Voiced by Jamie Bell. But also kind of played because we're doing motion capture. Yep. So Tintin has a character of himself drawn by a local artist who looks a lot like Herge. Which is pretty neat. We should say Tintin, the adventures of Tintin. It cannot be stated enough how incredibly famous the character of Tintin is worldwide. Huge. Everywhere but here. Everywhere (laughs) but here. He's been around since 1929. His story's been translated into 70 different languages. 70? And it has sold more than 200 million copies. That's insane. It is insane. And I read probably two books of it okay. just in preparation for this to kind of get the feeling of sure. it. Sure. He's like the most famous export out of Belgium though. It's ridiculous. You have like chocolate and waffles and, and waffles? beer and Tintin. And Tintin. <laughs> it cannot be stated enough how famous this character is it's insane it's absolutely wild that and we're gonna get there it, in this country not as well known not even close to being as well known but still there's a level of like oh yeah that's Tintin, right which so, blew my mind prepping for this because like i've seen this movie before but i've never read any of the comics before. i have not this is my first time and my second time and my third time now i'm curious to see <laughs> where your head is keep going this is great while Tintin's getting this character done Snowy, his dog, is following a little uh, pickpocket through the town square. Pickpocket's going around picking pockets like pickpockets do. Of course. How many pockets would a pickpocket pick if a pickpocket could pick pockets? The amount of plosives there is just oh, absurd. Yeah. And yeah, offensive just probably to listeners. P popping <laughs> Polly over here. That's what you want to go by. Nope. That is a, nope. a DJ name. Hey, it's P P-poppin' Polly. <laughs> That's got to be like a college radio station type thing. Yeah, Pop and Polly playing all your favorite hits. Here's the Smashing Pumpkins. We got all the pop hits from the I got nothing. I thought I had somewhere to end that sentence. You either have this Prince is why I don't Or the for from Little Prince. I just doubled down the same name out of lack of being clever. Exactly, you know. <laughs> only only short amount of bursts of creativity. Exactly. Anyway, this pickpocket is going to be at large for most of the movie, so moving on. Right. After the artist finishes, Tintin wanders around and finds a merchant selling a miniature ship called the Unicorn, which he's already somewhat familiar with for reasons. Exactly. The merchant has procured this miniature ship from an old sailor's estate sale, as you do. Of course. Tintin buys the ship for a pound. Seems like a bargain. This thing is awesome. It's really cool. He's like, oh, it's double-decker, and it's got 50 gunners on it. Yeah, Yeah. this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. One pound. One whole pound. Just as he takes the thing out, a large man with an American accent comes barreling in. With a big nose, too. Huge nose. Does not look human. He's voiced by Joe Starr. Yes, he is. He appears, and he's like, hey, I want that boat, Tintin. I mean, I don't know your name, but I want that boat from you. (laughs) He offers to pay double what Tintin paid for it. And Tintin's like, no. I like is- how the merchant's just like, double? It's like, that yeah. would only be two pounds. Right, what you originally asked. Let's not asked. go wild. <laughs> the man is like, oh, fine. You know what? I'm, I'm going I'm to get out of here. But you get rid of that thing. It's bad news. Tintin, bad news. Right, you're ready in 2D. Get rid of it while you still can. <laughs> just as the American leaves, another weaselly man with a pointy beard shows up. Voiced by Daniel Craig. Ah, uh, Daniel fucking Craig. Thank Daniel you. fucking Craig, and he also attempts to purchase the ship from Tintin. Right. He tells Tintin that the ship is purchased from the nearby Marlin Spike Hall, which the Weasel Man has acquired, and he wants to purchase the ship and return it to its former home. And I like how he says, "Name your price." Name That's your what makes price. the merchant just go like, "God damn it!" <laughs> right? What am I doing <laughs> with my life right now? It's like, I missed "Name Your Price" by one bloody minute. <laughs> Tintin's like, "No, I'm keeping it." And he uh, he walks off. He's got conviction, man. He could have made a lot of money. He could have. And instead, he was like, "I like the boat." I don't think that was it. Okay. Because of everything that happens, you know, for the rest of the movie. Right. <laughs> the Weasel Man asks the merchant if he knows who who the young kid is, and he's and the merchant's like, "Everybody knows who that is. It's Tintin." Of course it is. Which are you American? Do you not know who Tintin <laughs> is? Right. Even the American guy knows who Tintin is. Right. Who's this weasel guy? Who knows? Back in his apartment, Tintin is like, What's the deal with this miniature ship? Is that your Seinfeld? I'm very tempted to, to do the, the audio drop of the bass. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my Seinfeld, but. What's the deal with this miniature ship? Now I kind of want to go, yeah. What's the deal with the miniature ship? It wasn't any better, actually. It's got 50 guns! Why does it need 50 guns? <laughs> also, where the hell's my magnifying glass when I need it? Let's ask Snowy. Snowy's like, ah, I know. I got you, Boo. However- I have to imagine he calls him Boo. Yeah, he's got a- he's, It seems like a Boo They're situation. Close. They're close. At that very moment, a cat makes its way <laughs> into the apartment, uninvited, because cats are the worst. They suck so hard. Good news is, Tintin dies- Cat Breeze in his mouth. We got a whole new movie. <laughs> Don't Catwoman this movie. <laughs> Snowy absolutely just loses his shit and chases the cat around because dogs and cats. They're big Twinkies, right? They're giant Twinkies. Naturally, the ship is knocked onto the floor in the chaos, breaking its mast. Oh, no. But, yeah, well, in the chaos of all this, something fell out of that mast. That's right. It it's rolled underneath the the buffet, I think it's what it was. Sure. In the corner there? Some sort of... Uh credenza perhaps. Right. And, I don't know. And Snowy's going woof woof woof. Motherfucker, look under this thing. Yeah, I'm sniffing pretty Penny hard underneath. And it's this... like I don't speak dog. Stop it. <laughs> Baxter, you know I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> and a shocking twist, this scene nor this movie are on cinemacats.com. They'll catch up, man. Give them to catch They're up? Very... Are you Dave Novaking? No, that was not intentional. <laughs> so, I will never Ever, Dave Novak. All right. Never. Fair. Needing more information on this boat, Tintin and Snowy go to a library or a maritime museum or something of the sort. A place with books and information. About? Wherever it might be. Sea shanties. Exactly. (laughs) Tintin learns the ship sank at sea, carrying rum and tobacco, but it was assumed the ship may have had some kind of mysterious secret cargo. The book also notes that after the loss of his ship, the captain believed that his family bloodline had been cursed. Sure. Not what you want. I oh. want to be cursed. <laughs> I lost my boat and my family's pirate cursed. curse. <laughs> Returning to his apartment, Tintin is shocked to find the ship is gone. I love his reaction when he finds out that the ship is gone. He says, of course it's gone. How can I have been so stupid? <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is wonderful. Yeah. Because... Tintin, I'm not totally sure. He might not have an inner monologue. It doesn't seem like it. Everything he's thinking, he says out loud, no matter what it is. It's due to the unfreezing process. Exactly. And that's why he takes a piss for the first 30 minutes of this movie. (laughs) Evacuation complete. Steven Spielberg was experimenting. It's animation. It's first time. He doesn't understand how it works. I get it. (laughs) But Tintin says every single thing that he is doing, kind of like a comic book would. Yeah. In a lot of ways where you see the thought process going on, especially if it's uh, uh, Chris Claremont, X-Men book. <laughs> Too true. And Wolverine walked left foot right <laughs> Oh, no. Is Claremont the Randy Newman of <laughs> comic book writers? Yes. We've said it before. It's absolutely true. Oh, it's amazing. has Wolverine reaching for an apple. Snicked, He slices it in half. <laughs> <sniffs> Smells like a Granny Smear. Wolverine, it's green. You could have. You didn't. Even you could have to... said that, Wolverine. Use your. Uh, I'm colorblind, kid. <laughs> I'm colorblind, bub. <laughs> it's a missed opportunity by me. Wow. I apologize. To <laughs> mostly, was it lifesavers?
1: I think it was, it was some stick, sort colors of... colors um, yogurt, maybe? There's some some sort of
0: ice pop. Popsicle! Popsicle! That, you're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Tintin assumes that it must have been taken by that weasel man at the town square. It's a bold assumption. I mean... But hey. There were two people who were like, hey why kid, not? sell me that boat. And he said no to both of them, but he just automatically assumes... One looked more weasely than the other. Yeah. I feel like you're, you're inclined to go, yep, weasel man. yeah. So Tintin sneaks into Marlin Spike Hall, which is that big mansion that this guy now owns, right? Because he said he does. That's exactly it. And wouldn't you know it? There, in a glass case, he finds the ship. But then he's suddenly knocked unconscious. That's it. We did it. We found it. We solved the mystery of the the unicorn being missing. Yeah, we did it. It was just. Taken and then found. So, Brian, what are we talking about next week? Next week, (laughs) we're going to talk about the rest of Tintin. Oh, man. This movie also could have ended if he just sold the ship to either of the people. Can you imagine that? (laughs) (laughs) Like, Spielberg and Peter Jackson teamed up, and it sucked. It was four minutes long. (laughs) I can see Spielberg going like, animation's hard. (laughs) We put in so many hours, and this is all we got? Right. Let's make another black and white sad movie. All right, ship it, and then we're going to work on something else. Right, Schindler's List 2. Even Schindler. <laughs> Even Schindler. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, God, you should just be happy. I didn't tell, like, Schindler's List 2, Electric Boogaloo or something. I mean, I thought that's where it was going to go, but... <laughs> so Tintin gets knocked out. Yeah, as you do whenever you get hit in the head. Yep, and when he comes to... He finds Mr. Weasel and his butler. Like, hey, what are you doing here, kid? Which is a weird thing to do. Just don't knock the kid out. Just start with that. You just be like, hey, why are you here? Instead, whack. Wait for him to come to, and then, what's the deal? Why are you in my house? Right. It's weird the Joker is right in this situation of like, don't hit him in the head. They get all fuzzy. <laughs> yeah. The Joker. Better at interrogating. I guess so. Tintin's like, hey, give me my ship back. And then he's surprised to find out that, hey, that's not a ship at all. I like how he is reasonable about it. He's like, (laughs) this isn't mine. He's like, The mast was broken on mine, and this one is great. Nope, this one is in Ah. perfect condition, and my bad on the breaking and entering thing. Right. If we could just forget about the whole B&A, that would be great. Oops. As he's escorted out, the butler's like, hey, maybe you should check and make sure all the pieces of your ship aren't gone. All right, crafty butler man. Cryptic butler man. What does this guy know? You got something you want to say, Butler? Just say it. Right? Why you got to be so secretive? Just be like, hey, kid, there was a piece that probably fell off the boat. Check underneath your credenza or your buffet or whatever it is. Under your furniture, bud. Under that half table against your wall. (laughs) That your dog was mysteriously barking at for way too long for you not to check it. Although if he knew all that, then I'd have more questions. That's also true. (laughs) Tintin goes back to his apartment. And he's shocked once again to find his place is completely ransacked. He is not shocked. His reaction is that his place has been ransacked before. For sure. Because he goes right to whatever the furniture is. And he's like, I'm going to check this bitch out because Snowy was a good boy. And he was barking at this thing like crazy. Yeah. And I just ignored him. Fine. Let me go find out what's going on. And he moves it out of the way. And sure enough. There's the little thing. The little tube. Snowy's like, really? You got The butler has to tell you? <laughs> I'm your best friend. <laughs> well, to be fair, you're man's best friend. So. That's a good point. And this is a boy. Maybe? Exa- well, I don't know. I think so. I have no clue how old Tintin Literally is Literally no idea. In the comic, he's supposed to be like a boy. Yeah. Like a boy wonder type journalist. I'm placing him at like 17-ish. And here he has his own place. Yeah. It's been ransacked before. Yep. He has... A gun, newspaper clipping. He does have a gun. Newspaper <laughs> clippings of his, all of his feats, right? That he's done as well. So we're like, he's lived. He's he's been doing this for a while. He really is like a Belgium Jimmy Olsen, and the whole town knows his name. That's true. So well, he only has one. It's Tintin. Tintin, like Oprah. Right. And realistically, when your name is Tintin and you have a dog and you don't name it Rin Tintin, <laughs> that's disappointing. That is, or just Rin. You could do that. Some people are like, hey, it's Rin Tin Tin. Missed opportunities, man. All yeah. around. Snowy. Because it's a white dog. Lazy. It is lazy. Tin Tin finds the little metal cylinder underneath the furniture, and it contains a scroll with a message and strange markings. The message says, three brothers joined, three unicorns in company, sailing in the noonday sun will speak, for it's from the light that light will dawn and then shine forth the eagle's cross. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. So Tintin's like, got it. Movie over. Done. We've solved easy. the secret of the unicorn. <laughs> it's a poem. Nailed it. He puts the secret message in his wallet, and then he overhears the, the landlady downstairs is talking to a man at the door, and he wants to see Tintin. He's like, oh, maybe this guy knows something about the ransacking of my apartment and whatnot. So he grabs his gun. As you do. And he goes out of the door, and- Through the chain door, he talks to the American from earlier who wanted the ship. He is not in any better shape than he was earlier today. In fact, he's a little bit more panicky now. He's like, ah, you still have that ship? You got to get rid of that ship, Tintin. People are dying out here. And Tintin's like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, "Uh, I didn't think that they were going to be killing people. And he says, who? And then bullets. The American man gets shot up outside on the doorstep there. Yeah, and the bullets go through the door and almost kill Snowy, and that's not okay. It's an animated film that's PG. Right. Snowy's going to be just fine. Snowy's going to be just fine. The stakes in this movie, due to what it's rated, they're pretty low. At the same time, though, this is a man who is getting shot in the back in a PG movie. If you show me where he got shot, then I'll say, you got me there. Fair. 'Cause this man, we see the bullets go through the door, and then he and falls then he in. He just falls in. And he seems to be okay. he's so, dying of shock more than anything. <laughs> Tintin rushes out into the street just in time to see a car speeding away, so he goes back inside because like us, he assumes this guy's probably just scared because he didn't actually get shot, only to find that the man has died. And he, he has, has died, but he's like marked up his newspaper. With blood. With the blood, I guess. That came from somewhere. Right, and he has left a clue on the newspaper about something. I don't know. He's letters. highlighted various letters with his bloody fingerprints, fingerprints. You know, things. Yeah, that people have on the ends of their their are plints. Exactly, plints. That's why they call it a splint. Flinders. Whenever you like you jam your finger. Up oh a yeah, bit, yeah. You got to put a sprint on it. They got to put a sprint on the on the plint. <laughs> oh boy. Realistically. Zach Braff and Donald Faison ain't got shit on us, for so this, sure. This is kind of like a an extension of fake doctors, real friends here. <laughs> faker doctors, faker doctors, realer friends? Maybe I they don't got know. thrown together. We found each it's other. True. They you know, sang songs though. They did. We together. don't sing. We don't sing. We've never once sang no. guy love together. We should have a musical episode. And I regret saying that the second it came out of my mouth. Why? Because you saw I my eyes light up? Yeah, no, I saw the excitement there. <laughs> I don't hate that idea. It's like Andrew Lloyd Bryan over there. Got a real fired up for yeah, I was like, do you promise? No, I don't promise. <laughs> it's too late. The you regret, it. it's real. Let's do Sweeney Todd. I want to be Sweeney Todd. And you could be the Alan Rickman. I didn't know you just wanted to talk about a musical. I thought you wanted to just sing about comedy. No, no, book we'll movies. do it. We'll do it on Twitch or something. You'll die on camera. It's art at that point.
1: You'll okay. It that way.
0: I'm, I'm down for art. <laughs> as long as they're singing. That would be great. You guys can go on Twitch and just be like, I want one art, please. And then we'll give it to you. <laughs> It'll be perfect. That's how an NFT works, right? Yeah. I still haven't figured it out. I just want to be what people's doing <laughs> ought. Come buy one art. Nailed it. <laughs> the next day, Tintin talks with the investigators of the murder. Thompson, played by Simon Pegg, and Thompson, played by Nick Frost. Amazing casting. Such It doesn't get any better casting. than that. Apparently, uh, when Stephen Moffat had to leave this, after he wrote the initial script and then had to leave to, you know, do Doctor Who stuff. Yep. Because he became showrunner. Right. They approached Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg to do the rewrite. But Simon Pegg was busy, so Edgar Wright brought in Joe Cornish. Another great person to bring in. Absolutely. I would love to see the Simon Pegg cut. I think you kind of saw it already. (laughs) Yeah. Edgar Wright and Simon Peck have such similar sensibilities to the way they write that I I think you got it. Yeah. That's fair. Thompson and Thompson. It's important to note one of them has a P. The other one doesn't. Right. Not important which one's which. Nope. But- Good luck figuring it out because I couldn't. They are identical. They are identical looking men- They sound alike, which is crazy because I know it's two actors. Right. Nick Frost doesn't sound anything like the Nick Frost you know. No, he sounds like Simon Pegg. It's amazing how (laughs) they pull it off. They claim the dead man, the American, is Barnaby Dawes of the FBI. And Tintin's like, well, look at this newspaper. He gave me a hint. He highlighted letters with his bloody fingerprints. And they spell out Caraboujan. Of course. That was my first guess of what it might spell out. As soon as he did that, I was like, you're not going to unshuffle the letters? You're just going to with You're just going to go with, with cariboujean. Okay. Okay. That's probably what it is. That's fine. And that's what it. No. <laughs> I mean, it is, but we're not there yet. It's we'll exactly get there. exactly what it is. We'll get there. The investigators cautioned Tintin about a pickpocket that's been going around. Of course, because a man's been murdered. So let's talk about some misdemeanors. Right. Great. <laughs> this man's dead, but also watch out for this pickpocket. We have a massive jaywalker who's on the list. <laughs> Be careful. But they found a ingenious way to capture this pickpocket. They've tied a wallet to a string. Nailed it! These guys' the ingenuity! These guys are great. They sure are. They're the best. Like, they're terrible at their job, but I love them as characters. It's endearing as hell. Yes. Naturally, since we just talked about the pickpocket, Thompson and Thompson are going to immediately have a run-in with the pickpocket. They sure are. And he bumps into Tintin, leaving Tintin panicked when he realizes the paper from the unicorn is gone with his wallet. And then Thompson and Thompson are like, hey, we're going to get you your wallet back. Because they don't catch the pickpocket with their ingenious wallet on a string plate. Does not work. They do get his coat, though, so that's something. Hey, you know what? Fine. (laughs) Tintin returns to his apartment where he's surprised. No, he's not. Not this time. Actually, he is because there's several large men there waiting for him. And they kind of shove him into a box, a crate, and then onto a car. Well, because they say, we have a delivery for Mr. Tintin. He's like, what? Uh, what? And then they're just like, it's you. Oh. Got him. They shove him in the box. The box says It Sure does. Because this movie didn't even bother to unshuffle those letters either. It's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, that's five. what it is. Let's get this movie over with. i got to work on Schindler's List 2, even Schindler. <laughs> even Schindler. Snowy chases after Tintin and his captors through the streets. There's cows. It's wonderful. It's utterly silly. It. He's hitting ah, udders. Ah. The cows are surprised by the udders being slapped yep. about, as you would, I'd imagine. I, it seems like something that'd be jarring. <laughs> yep. If if I were a cow and something small just ran into my udders, I'd be surprised. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably- Very surprised. I'd let out an ooo. Uh-huh. At the very least, I'd make a sound. Yeah. Eventually, Snowy follows them onto a large cargo ship named the Caribou Of course. Matches the box, too. The movie's doubling down. On this name. On the Caribou Jean. Yes. Also, if you need a password for your Netgear or whatever, (laughs) Caribou Jean, no one will guess it ever. Ever. You're golden. Hey, what are you, a big Tintin fan? Maybe. Did you watch the movie? Probably not, based on how the (laughs) box office was. It's like, how did you come up with your (laughs) your password? I just kind of dropped my hands on my keyboard (laughs) after watching Iron Man. (laughs) And I just, I got Karibujan. Karibujan. <laughs> One of them, John John Favreau. <laughs> for all my passwords for forever. Tintin's captors searching for the paper, and the weasel man shows up, demanding to know where it is. And Tintin's like, I don't got it, bud. I don't have it. So the weasel man is like, all right, my name is Ivan Ivanovich Sakharin, because he's got, he's got to introduce himself, I well, guess. let's it's called it Sakharin from now on. Sakharin. He reveals that he also has a paper just like Tintin's. He's like, ah, see, I have one too. Again, why? I don't know. He's just like, where's your paper? This is mine. Let's compare papers. Realistically, he just gives Tintin the leverage because Tintin has read his own paper. Yeah. And now, Sakharin has his own paper. It's like, you gotta get the knowledge that's in that that Tintin brain, that ginger brain. Yeah. You gotta get in there. Pry it out. Exactly. When it's clear that Tintin doesn't have the paper, he's locked up. While Sakurain and his men decide what to do next. Luckily, Snowy manages to sneak into the room as they're closing the vault door and they're locking him in. And he goes and he unties Tintin. Snowy's a good boy until he's not. Exactly. Often. He's uh, always exactly what he needs to be for the scene. Exactly. (laughs) He's like an active MacGuffin. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. I feel like there should be a different name for that. Like what? I don't know. McMuffin? No, 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 no. I don't want a clown to sue me for like copyright <laughs> fair. infringement. That's fair. That might be my nightmare. It's like a lawsuit plus a clown. Yeah. Combining those, those are it. your two it's biggest it, fears. It's a hellscape. <laughs> if you were like doing heights things too with a snake, wow, we've that, covered them all. That's, that's the. We got all the. the quad covered. <laughs> oh No, I've seen the founder. I don't want Ray Kroc anywhere near me. Exactly. Naturally, they managed to escape. Through an exterior porthole on the ship into another room. Also, they fired champagne corks at at the bad guys' faces. It's great. Of course, it is. They think they're being shot at. They're not. Nope. It's just champagne. They're getting corked. In the room they escape to, they meet Captain Archibald Haddock, voiced and played by Andy Fucking Circus. A few more fuckings uh, is warranted. Oh my to god! Put it lightly. This dude. It's funny because. Steven Spielberg said, "Like all the other actors, kind of had to get used to the whole mocap thing." Yeah, he never worried about Andy Serkis though. Nope. He was he was born for it. He's the king of it. Built for it. Doesn't really serve any purpose in life. Molded by it. Besides to be mocapped. Realistically, it's funny because he once joked that he was worried that Peter Jackson was reaching out to him to play Snowy. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. It's great. It's amazing though because. That's not too far of a stretch because when Peter Jackson showed Steven Spielberg the first clips of Snowy, of like this is what we can do with this character, the dog jumping around, whatever, how it can interact in yeah. life. It's not like a Roger Rabbit thing. This is a mocap dog kind of coming to life within the scene. <laughs> Peter Jackson did it, and Peter Jackson was dressed as Haddock, really? doing a Haddock with a bottle of whiskey and actually acting as haddock that's fun because peter jackson had known tintin from his childhood that's amazing so when steven spielberg saw that he went i definitely picked the right partner for this movie (laughs) that's so cool we should note snowy was hand animated for the whole movie which is wild Um, there was a quote actually from uh jimmy beard who's uh animation supervisor at peter jackson's whole Wida Wida, yeah um we tried putting a Lycra suit and tracking markers with little balls on a dog. It's got to be insane to say. But all we got was motion data of a dog trying to eat the balls off his legs. Yep. That checks out. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love it. They're like, we tried it, and no, nope, dog you give a ball to a dog, it. he's going to go after the balls. That's, that's simple as that. That's what dogs do. So this Captain Haddock guy, he is a drunken, angry, stupor a stereotype. Yeah. Yes. And he is pretty upset about the mutiny of his crew because they're all working for Saccharin now. Yep. And Tintin's like, hey, maybe we escape. I like how Haddock's just like, we can't escape. I've been locked in here with <laughs> nothing but whiskey for my own survival. And I like how Tintin just opens, opens the door. The He's doors. like, huh? well, well, I assumed it was locked. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a dream in life, He's to drink so much whiskey that you just can't figure out that a locked door, yeah. quote unquote, it's just- Open. Oh yeah, I'm being kept here against my will with all this whiskey. I guess I'll stay. Oh man, life is hard. Didn't even try the door to be honest. Right. <laughs> Tintin is surprised to find out that uh this captain is related to the haddocks of Marlon Spike Hall. It's almost like the story's coming together. It's amazing. How about that? Tintin tells Haddock about the scroll he found and the rumor that only a Haddock can help unlock the secrets of the unicorn. That he read about in the book. Right. So between the, the scroll and the book, Tintin's got a pretty good hold on what's happening here, kind of. Uh, as much as he could. Until he until he learns more. Right. And he gets better. Exactly. At knowing things. Had you're all that it... investigating, Brian. <laughs> I mean, it's simple as that. Oh, that's what journalism is? <laughs> Comic books. Always got to have journalists in them. Unlike Fox News, you're right. <laughs> oh, Haddock claims his grandfather told him the story on his deathbed, Then he got drunk and forgot it. (laughs) How great is that? It's amazing. I love (laughs) Haddock. When Tintin inquires about other relatives, Haddock claims that of the three brothers' bloodlines, he's the last of the family. And Tintin's like, three brothers? Oh, I just read something like like that. Like from the scroll. So Tintin, Haddock, and Snowy make their escape. On the way, Tintin passes by the radio room, and he overhears talk of the Milanese Nightingale, which is like their secret weapon. And then he also gets the coordinates to the ship's next location, Bagger. Cool. That's Great. That's, that's where they're going. Moving along. Just going places. So the three of them are making their escape in a lifeboat, and saccharines like, you two, take a seaplane. Go get them. Should be easy. They're in a boat. Right. We're the big boat. They're the little boat. Little boat. Go get them. On the boat, Tintin tells Haddock about the third unicorn model in Bagar. The owner of which, Ben Salad, keeps it in a bulletproof glass case. And we know that because yes. Tintin says, "Do you see that glass? Bitch is bulletproof." I can tell. I'm like, like, dude, it's PG. Stop saying bitches everything, <laughs> Tintin. Inappropriate. That you get one bitch probably, and that's kind of a stretch. Yeah, and a PG. That's it's a weird one to throw in there. Steven Spielberg, Steven Moffat, Joe Cornish, Edgar Wright. Weird one to throw in there. So they know where he's headed. They know the plan. They know what he's after. But Zachary still needs Haddock for some reason, which is why he kidnapped him. Right. And that's what they don't know yet. It's got to be like some Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. Like, we need your blood. Something like that. Your alcohol yeah. blood. We need you to just drop it onto the treasure. <laughs> so it can... Exactly. Yeah. And I have like a slow motion thing that I'm going to do when I drop the coin and it'll all work out. <laughs> just, just trust me. You're going to secretly steal a piece? That's a whole movie. It is a whole movie. Meanwhile, Thompson and Thompson try to return a wallet they found in the pickpocket's jacket from their previous encounter with him. But it turns out the wallet is of the pickpocket himself, who was played by Toby Jones. Toby fucking, fucking Jones. 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 So good. He is absolutely incredible in damn near everything he does. Yeah. I remember, this is a while ago now, there were two competing kind of Hitchcock movies that came out. Okay. One was Anthony Hopkins as Hitchcock. One was Toby Jones as Hitchcock. Oh, yeah. I don't know which one was better. Like, who had the better Hitchcock? Yeah. And that says something. That's saying a lot for Toby Jones. Yeah, it absolutely is. Damn. Hitchcock. Famously creepy in both towards women. And that's a problem. Yeah. But both actors. Great job. Crushed it. The detectives have no idea that they've caught the guy, but they do manage to find Tintin's wallet. They're in a room, and- the room is just wallets everywhere, everywhere. And I can't even state to you, like, it's not just wallets scattered about. It's like a library. Yeah. Of it's wallets. Organized. There is probably like a, a Dewey, who's a wallet manufacturer. Exactly. System. That. <laughs> and I like how the Toby Jones guy is just like, you got me. It completely got me. Yeah. I can't. I can't get enough of the little guys. I can't. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm a kleptomaniac. Well, that means he's a scared of being in an open place. <laughs> but I like how these detectives are just so oblivious to it. So it's great. Clueless. It's amazing. He confesses like four or five times in this scene. They're not getting it. Nope. It's perfect. I love it. Back in the lifeboat, Haddock has knocked out Tintin and Snowy while taking over the boat to get them to Bagar. And accidentally knocked them out. Accidentally knocked he, them out by just the, swinging the oars around. The oars around, and they got tapped in the head, and he's like, oh, sleeping on the job. Yeah, these landlubbers. <laughs> and then he lights a fire to keep them warm. Because he got drunk again. I thought boat. this was a good idea. <laughs> Wonderful. It was a bad idea, in fact. Yeah, no, that's generally the last thing you want on your boat. Exactly. Saccharine's men catch up to them in the sinking lifeboat. And with a tin- plane. With a plane. Because that's what they were using, the seaplane. And Tintin manages to shoot down the plane and take the pilots hostage. With one bullet. One bullet. And he he holds it so weird, like, over his shoulder. And oh, just, God, I love that. Or his elbow. Because he says, like, I got some bad news for you. We only got one bullet. What's the good which, news? We only got one bullet. He's like, <laughs> so fuck good. yeah, Tintin! Wow. God damn it! I'm surprised, like, Tintin didn't just, like, rip his shirt off at right? that point. Just... And he's got, like, a weird, like, 16-pack <laughs> going on. Just uh, anchor tattoos. He's like, "Where's my spinach?" <laughs> exactly. You see, like a Penelope out of Pete and Pete, just on his arm or something like that. <laughs> like he's that badass. Yes. Speaking of Penelope, there's a really good Hulu documentary called The Orange Years. I've it, heard about this Hulu documentary. It's very it? good and super nostalgic, and you should watch it when you when you have a chance. <laughs> I've been Facebook friends with Danny Tamborelli for <laughs> uh, well over a decade. He's in it. It's probably like 15 years. Oh wow! And I met him at a party once i don't remember where this party was and i like befriended him on facebook like the next day yeah never spoke to him since excellent but i'm facebook friends with danny tamborelli that's why he keeps showing up with my people you may know is that it <laughs> <laughs> how about that yeah i got weird people you may know i get it's some weird so ones, yeah. weird dave i have an actual imdb trivia fact for you are you fucking with me right I'm now? i'm not You bring up the orange ears, and you're like, oh, cool. This is great nostalgia. Also, jerk-off motion with hand and (laughs) two-face. Well, I had to slime you somehow, right? (laughs) That's right. Summer Sanders style. What? You can't do that on television style. I figured it out. All right. (laughs) Well done. little behind-the-scenes fact. Okay. My IMDb trivia facts are always in orange, so it just kind of worked out that way. Is that your own fact? Yeah, that's, that's- That's just me saying to you right now that... But is there an IMDb trivia fact? There is one. Son of a bitch! Don't double down! I'm not doubling down. You sort of did. You took a detour off the IMDb IMDb trivia fact. And now back to that actual IMDb trivia fact. Don't delay a bad thing, Brian. In the scene where Tintin swims toward the downed seaplane, only his quaff can be seen above (laughs) the water, much like a shark's fin. Nailed it. Perfect. Great. That's it. That's the whole thing. They don't even- Yeah, no, that, that checks out. They don't even give you the, the rest of it. Like, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> they could have. could They could have easily and made it a much worse. And they could have even gone deeper than that because the technology they used in this they got from James Cameron because Steven Spielberg visited James Cameron on the set of Avatar oh. to learn how to do mocap, and it's kind of what inspired him to do it this way. And he actually got to play with the weird controller that has the x-axis, y-axis. And oh, you can kind of maneuver yourself throughout the scene. That's That's how he learned it on Avatar. And they're in the middle of the ocean, and they could both fit on the capsized lifeboat. How about no that? No problem. It's not a door. I get it's not a door. It's not a door. But still. But it's almost a door. A capsized lifeboat you can use in place of a door. Yeah. Uh, next week on This Old this Boat. This Old Boat. <laughs> I saw this whole boat stuff for Falcon the Wonder Soldier. Really? Yeah. How they're doing the whole fixer-upper episode? Yeah. This old boat. This old boat. Uh-huh. Bob Vila keeps coming back to the, the fortress. Always will. Friend of the show. <laughs> it makes you sad that Norm Abrams isn't getting his due on this show. It's true. He should be. He should be. Maybe next time. Maybe. we we'll <laughs> throw Norm a bone. Or we'll remember him. <laughs> <laughs> We're kind of remembering him this time. Kind That's of. That's something. Barely. Like, afterthought-wise. It's where he belongs on this old house. This old afterthought, <laughs> Norm Abrams. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, they take the plane's pilots hostage, and then they um they just fly the plane that Tintin shot down. Somehow. They're just like, hey, we shot it down out of the sky, and now let's get in it and fly it away. I don't know how we fixed the plane. I don't either. It's not like an Armageddon, American, Russian, all made in China, I'm going to bash this thing with a hammer. <laughs> it's not like right. that at all. No. Also, go on to Patreon. Yeah, go check out our Patreon. Our episode of Armageddon will be dropping in the next couple of weeks. It's a doozy. I am so excited. We get to learn about crackers. Oh, boy, do we. what makes a cracker a cracker? Yeah. I don't want to talk any more about it. No, That's your, I, that's your teaser. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil Professor it. Professor Ben Affleck, the cracker lord himself. Crackers 101. <laughs> ben Affleck, the cracker lord. Oh, that's sticking. As it should. <laughs> Go on to Patreon. Subscribe, patreon.com slash Podcasters. A lot of fun stuff there. Lots of fun. So Tintin's going to fly this plane because he interviewed a pilot once. He checks out. And they fly directly (laughs) into a storm. Also checks out because that's how every single Holiday Inn Express commercial ends. (laughs) Yep. That's pretty much what (laughs) this is. Haddock drinks the surgical alcohol to calm his nerves as they fly through the storm. Oh, God, I hated it. Oh, I hated god! It so much. How every single time they like dive down, the alcohol like comes into a bubble and it's yeah. like, slurping it up. And they slurp it up, and Snowy has some, and then Haddock has Snowy some. Snowy gets fucked, man! Snowy's so drunk. Oh my God, this is <laughs> a drunk dog. Yeah. Then the plane runs out of fuel, midair. Oh God. And Tintin's like, hey, Haddock, you know how I told you not to drink that alcohol? We can use it now to fill up the fuel tank on the plane and get a few more miles out of her before we crash and die. Right. And so Haddock's like- Yeah, let me get out there. So Haddock, Dr. Strange loves this plane, (laughs) straddles the front of it, and Tintin's like, hey man, we're running out of fumes! Fumes? Uh, And then Haddock loses his mind because he's like, fumes, let me burp into that gas tank. Yep. I don't know what his plan was before that. This is pretty much like hitting the NOS in the first Fast and the Furious movie (laughs) for this airplane. Yep. And this is where the movie loses me. <laughs> this is okay, all right. <laughs> so I went. That's a bit too much. <laughs> he belches me. into the into uh-huh. the engine, the fuel tank, and the plane goes. Brrr. Yeah. I hated it. Uh, <laughs> it only gets them far enough to crash land in the desert, though. Fine. So it got them to land, <laughs> which was actually a very good scene. He's like, land. Tintin's like we I, can't, we yet. can't, we're not overland yet. Get it? He's like, no, but we are. And Joe Cornish <laughs> is high fiving himself. Like I probably wrote that joke. <laughs> <laughs> we hope. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> so the three of them start walking across the desert, and Haddock, in the last throes of his alcoholic stupor, begins to hallucinate. He's sobering up and like right on the cusp of being sober. Yeah, and he's starting to, oh, to man. see mirages. And the buried memory of his grandfather's story is coming to life. Haddock begins to relate the story to Tintin of his ancestor's- Very dramatically. Sir Francis Haddock, captain of the unicorn, and how his ship was overtaken by pirates in a fierce battle. And just when we find out who this major pirate is, he's like, oh, what's going on? Wait, why do I have a beard? When did I have a beard? (laughs) It's weird how he like comes to being sober, and and Tintin's like, "Congratulations! All it took was a walk across the Sahara Desert to make you sober." Right for being a PG movie, alcoholism's major problem. Alcoholism, gun violence. There's a whole lot of things Uh going on in this PG movie that I don't know who the target is. Unsure, (laughs) and we'll get there. Stranded in the desert, Tintin, Haddock, and Snowy are found and rescued by these patrolling soldiers who take them back to their desert fortress. Sure. And they're like, hey, recover here. And they do. And Haddock is like, I don't know who you are. What is this place? I'm sober. I don't remember anything. Because he's got the drunken recall thing from Beer Fest. Of course. And then Snowy tricks Haddock into drinking some more alcohol because the dog does what the scene calls for. Exactly. And Haddock recalls the final (laughs) bit of the story. I really love how Snowy is like the mobile MacGuffin. It's great. (laughs) The pirates that battled with Sir Francis and the Unicorn were led by a red-scarfed captain known as Red Rackham. Though the Unicorn was said to be carrying standard cargo, Rackham was like, no, I think there's more going on here. And he threatened Sir Francis' crew, so Sir Francis is like, all right. I'll show you the secret hold where we keep all our treasure. And Rackham goes in, and he's like, oh, this is awesome. Kill all the people anyway. And he sends the crew overboard to be devoured by sharks. And Sir Francis is like, well, that's kind of a dick move. Now I'm going to blow up the whole ship. I like how he puts his gunpowder in this incredibly long yep. like, line. And it was long enough that he could light it. And then they can have a sword fight, to which Red Rackham kicks the gunpowder. Kicks powder. the gunpowder, yeah, the fuse. But this happens like... Multiple Seven times. more times. And there's always a light that he can hit and knock it down to the gunpowder oh, yeah. to make it. I mean, how do you light, light a ship with lights? Exactly. So, but they're just constantly there. Yeah. I just love the fire when it goes when it goes down the stairs. It's just a it's really very cool. It is very cool. <laughs> I love it. Big fan. So Sir Francis blows the ship up and he escapes the wreck. And Rackham curses him and says, "We'll meet again in another time, in another place." And that's when Haddock kind of realizes that. Saccharin is the descendant of Red Rackham. Puts it together. He's a like, guy. Oh, finally figured it out. <laughs> the weasel guy? Yeah, he's a weasel. How about that? <laughs> so Haddock and Tintin and Snowy make their way to Bagar, where they're surprised, once again, because they're always very surprised by things. They're surprised to encounter Thompson and Thompson. They're surprised, but they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be. Because the comic... Often has Thompson and Thompson pop up Yeah, in places where they have no business popping up. Well, they disguise themselves, and they're following them. And, I mean, I guess I would be like, hey, what's going on here? All they did was just put, like, this big blanket over them. Yeah. And they're still Thompson and Thompson fully. Oh, big time. It's a great gag. It's great. Uh, They've recovered Tintin's wallet. They are there just to kind of return the wallet. They showed up. Somehow they found him in Bagar. Yep. And they're like, got your wallet. And I think it should be noted that Bagar is fictional. Yes. It's a French colonial Morocco kind of fictional city that's created for this. Okay. But Hergé is sort of brilliant in the way that he created all these locations. Because what we're experiencing here with The Adventures of Tintin, The Secret of the Unicorn, is three different stories. It is The Secret of the Unicorn. It is The Crab with Golden Claws. And it is a treasure of Red Rackham or whatever that one's called. Yeah, It's three different stories. But Herge would use National Geographic magazines in order to create the real, lo- like real-ish locations really? for things, so he could base things kind of in truth. Okay, to a point, I think Bagar here. I don't know if it was created just for the movie, or if Cabrajan was created just for the movie, or yeah. anything like that. But Herge was kind of brilliant for using real-life inspiration hmm. and location in order to make these comics come to life just a little bit more. To make them feel a little more realistic. And we'll get there Yeah, because the brilliance does go farther. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. So Tintin, Haddock, Snowy, Thompson, and Thompson enter the palace of Omar Ben Salad, who looks a lot like Steven Spielberg. Right. (laughs) They're going in for a performance by Bianca Castafiore. A.K.A. the Milanese Nightingale. Uh-huh. That's that secret weapon that they had. Right. And Tintin's like, how are they going to use a lady to steal a boat? Because Tintin, as much as he knows about random boats, has never seen a cartoon before. <laughs> of course. I have to imagine that Tintin's like, I've seen the fifth element. Does she have <laughs> that ship inside her right Maybe now? the ship is inside her. <laughs> is that how this is working? It's Luke so Chances are. <laughs> <laughs> Sacré Famous move of hiding things inside women. It's weird. <laughs> the unicorn is inside her. Sacré <laughs> <laughs> Blue! I'll allow it. I'll allow you to do my bit. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> I even mispronounced blue. so. <laughs> I'm really shocked at this point that no one has tried to do like a Sacré Blue man group. Oh. It's just really a missed opportunity? I mean, have you Googled it? Because I'm pretty sure they're already really big in France. I just Googled soccer blue man group. Nothing. That's amazing. So now how do, we, how do we go forward with this? I'm unsure. I feel like we need to get bald caps and horizontal striped shirts. Bald caps and berets. Sounds like we've just figured out our own future. Our offshoot. I love it. When this show finally fails. (laughs) It's like, oh, what do you guys do now? We're the Soccer Blue Man Group. (laughs) We did 800 episodes of K-Podcasters, and we're like, no more superhero movies, man. No more. No more. Now we just do French Impressionist uh, (laughs) drumming. (laughs) What's it even like? We don't even hit real things. It's really just air drumming, just like a mime would we, do. We mime the blue man group, but instead of, thing. of drumsticks, we use baguettes. I'm in. I'm in. And if you guys want, on your way out of the theater, because we do it in the theater, because we're classy as well, yeah, fuck, of course, go buy your gray blue cheese. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I didn't expect that to go there. Me neither, but I'm so happy we have a future now. Yeah. We've planned it all out. <laughs> Guys, we made plans. So obviously Saccharin's plan was to use the opera singer's voice to shatter the bulletproof glass and then send a falcon in to break in the ship's mast and of steal course. the last of the scrolls. All this checks out? Duh. Also a couple of his henchmen steal Tintin's scroll from Haddock because Tintin was like here, take this. And and because he's like Haddock, that's a trustworthy person to hold this. Right. He's very drunk. But Haddock also does have a moment of how. He's, he's not, though. He's sober. He's fighting like this falcon. And he has a choice between drinking and getting the scroll. Yeah. And he puts down the drink and goes for the scroll. That's right. He's been sober since the Sahara. Character drunk. Except for that we did one little bit where, where Snowy tricked him. Hey, man. Dog drunk is drunk, too. It's fine. Dog drunk is drunk, too. If you take nothing else from this episode. Exactly. Airbud. My dog, Skip. Marley and me, different movies with a drunk dog. Oh, absolutely. Just think about that. The artist, it's a silent drunk dog. Silent drunk dog, dog nonetheless. I love it. More drunk dogs. Frazier, somehow funnier. Believe it or not. Wow. Somehow funnier. I didn't think they could. Me neither. Frazier really is brilliant. Frazier like, is very through, good. It's almost a perfect show. It's very almost. good. Almost. Drunk dog, though. Would have made it better. It's going to make you see like Jesus or something. (laughs) Like if you're some sort of like atheist, you're going to be like, no man, I believe in God now. Toss salad, scrambled eggs, and drunk dogs. (laughs) Exactly. Eddie the dog, he is fucked up. (laughs) And I'm going to go to church on Sundays now because- It all makes sense. It all makes sense. I heard weird (laughs) angels and stuff, and the dad was yelling. It was great. I loved it. <laughs> and the dad was <laughs> yelling. <laughs> the chase is on. Tintin, Haddock, and Snowy race through the city, following Saccharine, the henchman, and the falcon. And the this... shot is incredibly it's so impressive. Cool. It's a long take animation chase scene. It's a very long take. Like, we're talking minutes. It's insanely long. long. It's going through different locations. Tintin is diving through everything he possibly could he's changing yeah. his mode of transportation constantly through it it is unbelievably impressive it's super cool and we will get there i'm gonna put that on there we'll really get there. okay yep. we're gonna pause on that scene we absolutely will I like it the scroll changes hands several times but finally Tintin gives up the scrolls to Sakarin to avoid him drowning haddock and snowy right you know. Now you want it. Can't kill a dog. It's a general a rule of filmmaking. Can't kill a dog. We learned it in Armageddon episode. If you listen to the commentary of the Criterion Collection of Armageddon, <laughs> Michael Bay says you can't kill a dog. Yep, he does. There you go. Wasn't out of context either. Nope. This dog being threatened. Godzilla attacking dog. <laughs> I love that dog. Find out more about that Patreon! dog on our Patreon. <laughs> After the incident, Sakharin and his men leave on the Karabajan which I think I've now pronounced differently every time. Doesn't matter. Tintin is about to give up. He's like, oh, they got the scrolls. They're they're leaving. What the hell are we supposed to do? I like how here Haddock's like, oh, what's your next plan? It's like, I don't have one. Yeah, we lost. Good day, sir. Which is amazing because it makes Haddock think that Tintin had a plan, and Tintin never has a plan. Never. Tintin is like the MacGruber of like, there's a (laughs) big difference between winging it and seeing what happens. Now let's see what happens. <laughs> Haddock is the one who gives the heartfelt speech. And he's like, hey, you got to believe in yourself. Never call yourself a failure. That's that's You don't want to put that signal out there because that's what people are going to pick up on. Right. When someone puts a wall in your way, crash through that wall. Crash through the wall. And Tintin realizes that being in the ship's messaging room earlier, he knows its signal. And now he can report it to Interpol, helping them track where it's going. And thanks to this seaplane that's right next to them <laughs> they can beat Sacrin to wherever he's going sure they stole a plane let's yeah. call it what it is did they or was it thompson and thompson's plane i have no idea either way that plane did not belong to them that's true and then they used it they sure did to advance the plot the ship eventually enters the port back where our adventure started which is the town of so-and-so's Burg. exactly Tintin, Haddock, Snowy, and the, and Thompson and Thompson, are waiting to arrest Saccharin for the murder of Agent Dawes. They do have him on something, which is something important. Something I note. had forgotten about <laughs> entirely because but, it was a long time ago. Yeah, but when they show up, Saccharin pulls a gun on all of them, and you would assume that both Thompson and Thompson have guns, but no, it's they do not. Sakharin, they just have canes and silly walks, silly walks. <laughs> Saccharin pulls the gun, and then he and Haddock have a crane fight, as you do, which. Is a crane fight. It's, it's a crane it's fight. It's Something. It's wild. It's not nothing. It lasts. So long? So long. <laughs> it's like a bad version of BattleBots. <laughs> Where you're actually in the battle bot. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It'd be like, you know when like all right, so BattleBots, they got like the flipper bot. Yeah. That just dominated everybody. Because yeah. it just flipped them you're and it's like all them upside right. down. Well, that's fucked now. That's Fine. Lazy. Totally but. fucked. This would be like if you had a battle bot. But it used, like, I came in like a wrecking ball. Yeah, yeah. To just knock just, things off. Just it's two like, wrecking ball bots. It just it, It's weird and it takes forever. It looks cool. It does. Enough. Cool enough. Cool enough that you don't go like, <laughs> is this over yet? <laughs> and then eventually they just straight on sword fight. Yeah. Until, they have settled somehow, right? Until Haddock nearly defeats Sakharin by throwing bottles of booze at him. So many bottles of booze. So many bottles of booze. But Sakharin is like, ah, I'm going to burn these scrolls. What are you going to do now? So Tintin just kind of swoops in because everybody forgot that he was there, and he takes them. Right. Your titular character, they managed to make you forget about. He swoops in, and he steals the scrolls. And then Thompson and Thompson show up, and they arrest Sakharin. What a climax. Yeah. Wow. It's like, yeah, I threw bottles of booze at you. And then you were like, I'm going to destroy the thing you need. And then Tintin's going to go, yoink. I had a better climax when I lost my virginity. Wow. And that was nothing special. Well, there you... (laughs) (laughs) But they fought with cranes. I probably did too, in my head. (laughs) (laughs) This is so anticlimactic for the grand adventure we've been on. As the sun rises over the docks, Tintin and Haddock line up the scrolls and see that they contain coordinates. With The little weird markings at the bottom of all three, when you line them up, they give you a latitude and longitude. Sure. Following them, they end up back at Marlin Spike Hall. I couldn't believe it either. But wow! How, how about, about that? that? <laughs> Haddock remembers it from his childhood, and they're greeted by Nestor, the butler that gave Tintin the clue about the scroll in the Who's beginning. Who's now of the friendly movie. as hell? Yeah. Well, he did give Tintin that little hint. The, at the one beginning. thing he's like, "No, I'm working for the bad guy. I should throw the- I can't throw that there. Uh, let me try to reword this." <laughs> to make it sound friendly, <laughs> they go down into the cellar and they find out that it was there's a second cellar that was walled over by Sir Francis Right, Because Haddock. Haddock's like, I remember a big room. Yeah. And then Snowy gets lost in the wall. In the wall. And it turns out to be not a wall, there's at a all. Hole it's just a big old wall. room. And when you there, there's a wall, you gotta force your way through it. Of course. So it turns out Sir Francis Haddock had walled up that side of the cellar when he lost the house. Right. They ran through it. They go into the second cellar and they find a statue of Saint John the Evangelist and Tintin's like that's the eagle and we're just supposed to go, yeah, okay. Cuz <laughs> yeah, you're just wrapping this up real fast. Cuz it is said like a thing me about a scroll. On Christmas morning realizing I forgot to wrap a few gifts. <laughs> like I need to get this done very very quickly. Oh shit, did we say and something try not about to make it sloppy? We definitely said something about an eagle in the scroll. Um let's just make him the eagle. Yeah, okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Near the statue, they find a globe, and Haddock remarks that it has an extra island, and it must be a mistake. And Tindin's like, whoa, 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 not a mistake, it's a clue from Sir Francis. He's like, I bet you my descendant, whoever he may be, is going to get here and be like, that tiny island's not a real island, and that's, you're supposed to know that. That's why- Of course! Sakra needed you, to for the tiny island. Realistically, you could have put Helen Keller- in this room, just to feel around for a while on this globe, I'm it's like, Helen, where do you think that this treasure is going to be? And she just start feeling up the globe, and then eventually she's going to get to an island and just accidentally tap it. I'm a little disappointed in you right now. I know what I said. I didn't need to bring Anne Frank into this. I already did Schindler. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Fair. For Schindler's List Fair. too. I know what I said. Yeah. You said it right, you <laughs> jerk. <laughs> There's only so much. <laughs> it's probably too late in the episode for a miracle joke anyway. You're probably right. Or it's another, been a long time another spin-off since we've talked about the miracle two. The miracle even three. Miracle-er. I was just gonna say the miracle three, even Chidlier. <laughs> so yeah, uh Haddock finds the button on the globe, it opens up and inside is all of they keep calling it read rackham's treasure but i'm pretty sure the treasure was on sir francis's boat i'm pretty sure it was in his hat well yeah well the thing is it was on his boat and then when the boat exploded he caught some of it in his hat right and that's what's left that's what's left the treasure in the hat but they keep calling it rackham's treasure and i'm like it was never rackham's i don't understand that i don't either not important A haddock takes the treasure out of the hat and puts the hat on and he's like oh <laughs> sure we did it it's all over tintin you got your newspaper story and i have my treasure dick move, first of all. It is, and then we remember that Tintin's a newspaper writer. Yep. Because we it's... never see him write a newspaper yep. article or anything. we just saw his other newspaper articles. Right. And him going, I interviewed a pilot once. Which is kind of fucked also, because that means Tintin is writing about himself of like, Tintin fucked really hard today. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it's like, hmm, Tintin, I need you to write something for the news. Alright, I'll go on an adventure real quick and tell you all about it. <laughs> What? Like the articles in his apartment is pretty much, Tintin, man with biggest dick, (laughs) saves world. Now you know why I was so confused about journalism earlier. (laughs) Right, it makes sense. I learned it all from Tintin. (laughs) Tintin has found another scroll at the bottom of the hollow globe, and it has a clue to the remaining treasure. And he's like, ah, Haddock, you you want more adventure? And Haddock's like, yep. Neat. And that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's how you set up a sequel that 10 years later still hasn't happened. And that is The Adventures of Tintin that also might be subtitled The Secret of the Unicorn from 2011. <laughs> it might be. We're not sure. Directed by Steven fucking Spielberg. Yes. This is a movie that it's happened. A movie. It's uh, long and uh, appropriate It's 107 for minutes. Hergé's vision for what he did yeah. in all the comics. Yeah. I would argue that it's way too on the nose, and that's the biggest problem with this movie. Okay. What they wanted to do was honor the spirit of what Hergé did, where it is these grand stories. Yeah. These world-hopping stories. Yeah. And Steven Spielberg openly said, he's like, I never heard of Tintin until I was doing Raiders of the Lost Ark, and all the French folk were like coming back, and he's like reading all the reviews, and they're comparing it to Tan-Tan. Right. Which he had to get translated to Tintin, saying, like, I don't know who this is. They're like, oh, it's our famous comic of this globe hopper journalist who's going through all these amazing adventures as well, to which Steven Spielberg read the comics, said it made him feel like a kid again. He absolutely loved them. He got in touch with Hergé. Him and Hergé talked on the phone, and he's like, oh, we're going to meet in two weeks' time. Problem is, Hergé died in between the phone call and their meeting. That's rough. But Steven Spielberg got the rights to make a Tintin film. That's unreal. It is unreal, especially because Steven Spielberg let the option go eventually and had to get it back because it just took too damn long putting yeah. it together. Yeah. But it just blows my mind that this is one of those things that Steven Spielberg had in the hopper for so long. For almost thirty years. Yeah. I know at one point in the early nineties he wanted to do a live action with Leonardo DiCaprio as Tintin and Tom Hanks as uh Haddock. do 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 Yep. They got there eventually. They sure did. this movie is too much i do think there's too much happening in this movie steven spielberg openly said that every single panel that he read in herge's tin tin comics is kind of like a movie in itself yeah and they replicated a lot of panels in this oh yeah the angles right getting the colors right all that thing it's too much This movie doesn't have an off switch in the worst way possible. I don't think they needed to adapt three different books at once. It's insane. But I mean, I guess they had to fill time, if you will. I guess. But it just seems so overwhelming where it never takes its foot off the gas. It doesn't. I completely agree with that. And my biggest issue with this movie is, we'll get there, in the Superstuff score for this movie when we talk about Hero. Okay. Oh, well, I, I'm intrigued. We will get there, but I, I like this movie. I do like this movie. Yeah. I just think it's overwhelming. I agree. My issue with this movie came, I was extremely hungover the first time I watched it. Okay. And as I was watching it, I was like, this thing is just going on and on and on. it, it does, You're right, it doesn't let up. The second and third time I watched it, I kind of loved it. This is the second time I've watched it and I actually really appreciate it. I don't love it. Okay. I don't. I think it's still just too much. I think the second time, well, this, the first time I was like, this is gorgeous, but it's it's too much. It is gorgeous. Oh my God. It's the animation so well is done. Just so well it's, done. Yeah, I mean, it's what you would expect from Steven Spielberg trying animation. Right. Is he's going to just blow it off. Absolutely. The, planet. the second time I was kind of only half watching it and that's when I was like, oh, this is excellent. It's one of those movies that's like, if it's on, and it's in the background, it's great. Because there's always something happening. Because there's always something happening. Yeah. But if you're actually watching it, it's exhausting. It really is, Like, though. if you're in it, you're like, oh, my God, how? Oh, now there's a storm? Of course. It's one of those things of like, and then this happens, and, <laughs> and, this, then this, happens. and yeah. this happens, and this yeah. happens, and this happens. like. Okay, give me a second movie. <laughs> There's no lulls. There are like, no even lulls. Even in the lulls, fight. the asshole lights the boat on fire. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I like this one quite a bit. I do not love it. I cannot get to the point of yeah. loving it. Yeah. Uh, that's it fair. seems like universally it's liked but not loved. That seems that seems fair. Which is an appropriate spot for this movie. And that's an okay thing. happen, too. Yeah. Movies don't have to be loved or hated. No. You're allowed to land in the middle. You can be in the middle. We've talked about that a million times over. (laughs) We'll keep doing it. (laughs) Burn Rotten Tomatoes. Where do you think this thing's going to fall? I think people liked it, but they didn't love it. I'm going to go with like a 75. I think you should have said 74. Oh. And you'd have gotten both critic and audience. No way. same exact thing. I'm kind of proud of myself for after several weeks of being not close. I was only off by one. Pretty impressive. It's like you're (laughs) back. I, I'm not going to go that far yet. I'm calling it. Brian's back. All right. Watch him get them all right for the next few weeks. It's going to ah, be great. That's so much pressure. <laughs> Roger Ebert saw this thing. Okay, of course he did. 3.5 out of 4 stars. Wow. He loved it. That's a biggin'. He said, in gearing up to make The Adventures of Tintin, I suspect Steven Spielberg reached down into that place that fueled his Raiders of the Lost Ark, which, Yes. Yes. That's exactly what Steven Spielberg said, in fact. Yep. He says, here again is an intrepid hero involved in a nonstop series of exploits involving exotic locations, grandiose villains, planes, trains, automobiles, motorcycles, helicopters, and ships at sea. Does not use the Oxford comma. That's me pointing that out, and it made me uncomfortable. Yeah, no, he, good. You know what? I'm not going to say it, because I know it comes later. Fair enough. <laughs> he also says, it evokes Saturday afternoon serials in an age when most of the audience will never have seen one. Yeah. That's interesting. It is interesting, and it's another we'll get there Hmm. when we talk about the impact on the genre, I think. Okay. Ebert goes on to say, the beloved character, can we flash back? It is a morning in May at the Cannes Film Festival, and I am drinking my coffee in the sunlight and reading Nice Matin, the regional paper. A back page in full color is given over to comics, and half the page is devoted to Tintin. I ask a French friend about him. You don't know Tintin? <laughs> she is amazed. So he is loved, I learn, that papers would rerun his old exploits even after the death of the creator, Hergé. Wow. He's that loved. It's kind of like a Peanuts, like a Charles yeah. Schultz. Yeah. He's long gone, but we still get Peanuts. Of course. That's like a Tintin. That's just- How high in regard Tintin is being held. Ebert ends by saying The Adventures of Tintin is an ambitious and lively caper, miles smarter than your average 3D family film. Mm -hmm. How can any thinking person want to see one Chipmunks movie, let alone three? It plays with Spielberg, who did receive Hergé's blessing before his death in 1983, and that goes a long way. Yeah. That the creator is willing to trust. At yeah. that point even, Spielberg obviously had done Jaws, had done Raiders. Right. He was working on Temple of Doom when he reached out to Hershey and realized, I can do this type of movie. Huh. He's established enough, and he got Hershey's blessing yeah. to do this monumentally important comic book character, Tintin. Huge it, character. It can't be stated how large Tintin is once again. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Wow. Speaking of the Americans on Amazon.com, <laughs> who don't know who Tintin is. Oh, boy. This movie got 4.6 out of 5 stars, only 4,200 reviews. Okay. 77% are 5 star, only 2% are 1 star. Okay. I only have two reviews. Wow. wow. The first one is As You'd Expect. From November 29th, 2019, I could not view this because Old Tin looked too much like the mental earth first girl. What? <laughs> I don't know what you're not understanding about. Sorry, that. my bad. I could not view this because Old Tin looked too much like the Mental Earth First Girl. I don't know where you're not getting this. <laughs> uh, you know, now that you've reread it, it makes total sense. Okay, good. As long as we're on the same page, yeah, yeah, yeah. that it is airtight. No dead astronauts. Yeah, old anywhere Tin looks like the Mental Earth First Girl. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, good. We're all on the same page. I'm going to actually go back and mark that as helpful. My yeah. Name is on- <laughs> you should. Come. The second one. <laughs> I'm going to read earnestly. Okay. This is a rarity. Okay. Someone took the time to put their actual thoughts into something, and it checks out. All right. I'm I'm in. From September 29th, 2015, title, Tintiana Jones and the Fumbled Ball. (laughs) Tintiana Jones. Review, My Worst Fears Came True. Spielberg and Jackson managed to ruin three perfect Tintin adventures in order to milk out a boring animated remake of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Huh. I grew up on the Tintin albums, and it's quite obvious neither of them got it. Tintin is much more than dodging cars and ducking bullets. It has fun research context, self-parody, witty dialogue, great characters, wonderful stories, and even pathos. This movie here is a mere slam bang nonstop action with not much else to sustain it. The finale with the fighting cranes is so banal. I <laughs> didn't know whether to get a headache or fall asleep. And last but not least, the half real half drawn characters are truly a bad idea. Hmm. Not only are they portrayed horribly wrong, but given the beauty of Hergé's dropmanship wouldn't have been, I don't know what dropmanship is. Draftmanship? They didn't say that. No. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. a dropmanship. Wouldn't have been great to see a true 3D Tintin drawn in Hergé's famed crisp, clear style. In a nutshell, this movie is so bad. I don't think there will be a sequel. If there is, please stick to the original material. Why mess with perfection? Wow. That's a Tintin diehard right there. It is... And I get it. I understand where they're coming from. As someone who's not a Tintin Diehard, me, yeah, I get where they're coming from. That this thing, it sort of is an abomination to what Herge had done with his books, because it's not even close. The tone isn't even close. Really? Okay. And we'll get there. I'm sure we will. When we talk about Hero once again. Okay. But even impact on the genre, we'll probably get there. Yeah. One thing I took issue with, though, is... um. I liked the animation style quite a bit. I thought it was interesting, if not distracting. While I appreciate what Herge did with his drawings, I don't think that's as marketable now. I agree completely. I don't think that movie would have sold. Also true, the comics still hold up today. Okay. I will fully defend them to the point that on Amazon.com right now, you could buy the entire set for like $132, and I am so tempted to do it. Oh, wow. Because I enjoyed reading them that much. Okay. They're very good. That's they not are nothing. a bit of a sign of the times. Yeah. If you pick up what I'm putting down there. Yep. They're very good. They're okay. very funny. They're very well written. It does have a lot of that like, then this happened, this happened, this yeah. happened type thing. That They move. They move really quickly. (laughs) They're very, very good even today. All right. I wanted to make sure to read it because of just how big they are in the world. Yeah. It's surprising to me that you get these three writers on here that are probably familiar at some level with the material. Oh, without a doubt. You know, by not being American. (laughs) (laughs) And they somehow didn't get the tone right. But then you look at the work of all three of these writers and you understand how it became what it is. I think they were too literal,
1: and I think that's the yeah. biggest
0: problem with it. Yeah. But me saying that, let's give this thing a super stuff score, and let's get to the bottom of this thing. Let's do that. But first. And now, for another edition of The Cape Podcasters Theater! This week on Cape Podcasters Theater had to do something that kind of connected to the movie because that's, you know, the whole idea here. Right. And this movie had pirates in it. It sure did. So Keaton Patty writes, I forced a bot to watch over a thousand hours of Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Uh, okay. It made me very happy when you brought up Curse um, of the Black Pearl earlier. So glad. And then asked to write a pirates movie of its own. Here's the first page. I'll be doing the narration, action scripts, scene see descriptions, whatever, and the part of Poseidon. You'll be doing Jack Sparrow and Kiera Knightley. Okay. Uh, my dream casting, really. Yeah. Uh, good news for you. It's a very short one. This is one of his early ones. This and it's is gonna very, be very short. A lot of fun. Let me quickly imagine that I'm married to Amber Heard. Okay. Just one second. Yep. And then also imagine that you are Kira Knightley. Oh, this is complicated and sexy. Now, don't bring Avril Lavigne uh, into it. Uh, why would I? You said complicated. Yeah, absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean. Dead tales tell no dead men. Dead, dead, dead. Die. Depp. Dead, dead, too. <laughs> this is best title yet. Exterior, Caribbean. Captain Jack Sparrow. Pirates around on a boat ship. Poseidon, Pope of the water, <laughs> jumps out of the water, but he is the water, so now there's no water. Yeah, the water's gone. Silence. Poseidon's eyes are beach balls. <laughs> Are you THE Jack Sparrow from the other terrible movies? That depends. What's in it for me? THE Jack Sparrow. Jack drinks a bottle of Bacardi rum, the only rum made from real bats. It's true. I have a mission for you at the end of the ocean. Kiera Knightley, the woman from Atonement, <laughs> 2007, jumps onto the boat ship, sword in hand. Time for some atonement, 2007. Smash cut 2. Interior, Caribbean. Smash cut 2. Exterior, Caribbean. Smash mouth 2. Interior. Somebody told me the world is going to roll me. That's perfect. That's it. It's absolutely perfect. That's the whole thing. How is that not like some sort of weird equivalent of a Rickroll? I don't know. I feel like it's it has to have reached that level. It's getting to that level. It has to get... I mean, Rickroll is a special thing. I get it, but still, at some point, somebodying somebody is got to be a thing. I think that's probably the shortest one he's ever done. Absolutely, and it's still great. It's still great, and now we've done pirates. We did it. <laughs> <I'm> so happy! <laughs> Let's give this thing a super stuff score. Story motivation. I like the story. I don't understand the motivation. I I agree with the motivation. He's just like I bought this ship. I'm gonna solve the mystery of this weird this ship storage wars winning almost <laughs> yeah that's like, exactly buys what it is. a ship off the street and I was like I need to solve the mystery of my purchase <laughs> so I can continue my job as a journalist <laughs> because I only know okay. how to write about myself. The story is is fun. The motivation is suspect. I'm gonna go point five. I think it's fair. Hero. It is Tintin. Tell me any backstory about Tintin. Tintin is a guy. He's He's got a, a coif, and he lives alone with his dog and his gun. He's of a certain age. We don't know what it is. And he lives in a certain place. Yep, we don't know, we where, don't it know where it is. Um, we he, don't know anything about Tintin. Not a damn thing. There is zero character development for our lead character. Yeah. And that is my biggest issue with this movie. All we know is that he's a guy who likes to go on adventures. Which is not enough. No, not at all. Especially because you do spend time on Haddock. We get way more development for Haddock than we do
1: and Tintin. Even
0: Haddock is a flashback to an ancestor. It's not right. not even his right. backstory. He's just drunk all the time. So we don't get any real character development. Until he's not. Anywhere for the most part. Like Haddock, you get a small arc, a tiny arc of, "Hey, look, I'm not a drunk asshole anymore. I can give you this speech at the end." I think that they missed the the mark completely with I, the hero. I think you're right. It might be a zero. I think it's a zero. Yeah, that's and that's a big problem. It's it, there's huge. nothing. There's absolutely nothing. We know nothing about the character. Right? Villains. It's Saccharin. It's Saccharin. He's doing it because his ancestors. He actually has a bit of motivation. He behind has a it. tiny bit. Yeah, it's a bit of revenge. Yeah, if nothing else. But then, at the same time, how does Saccharin know that his ancestor got killed by on a, Haddock on a boat? By because haddock we because... watched the boat sink with the right. It's not like he, he the bad man on it. Maybe sent a, a messenger falcon. Maybe I don't know. It's very weird. It's, also, it's also weird. But at least there's some kind of reason for what he's doing. It's not great. It's not. It's not a lot because he's trying to find the treasure. He's trying to find the treasure, and he's trying to get revenge on. The Haddock family Exactly, name. and he has the Haddock man locked up. Right. Quote, unquote, locked up. I'm going to go 0. 0.25. I think There's that's There's not a whole lot true. there either. I think the characters are, are the thing that suffer the most. Absolutely. Parents? No clue. Zero. Not any idea whatsoever. That would involve character development at some point. Right. Nothing. Female characters? There are? There's one. Who? It's the singer. Oh, that's God. it. I'm going to go with big, fat zero. I think it's a... Big Fat Zero, I think is the best way you could have We're set moving it. through this thing. <laughs> Setting. I'm conflicted here. I am too. Because we don't know really where we are, where this starts, but it's so built out. And let me make this argument. They had to build the sets before actually getting the actors, quote unquote, on set. Right. Because the way that they did it was with the mocap. Is when you aim the camera at the characters, you see the character. Yeah. And the character lives within the set. So realistically, if you take the camera and you aim it away from the actor itself and you're just aimed at nothing, you're living within this panoramic world. Right. So I actually find filmmaking-wise, it's fascinating. Yeah. That's impressive. On a production standpoint, that is impressive. From what we see in the final film... We get a lot of that. Yeah. I don't think it gets all the way there because we are making up places. We are, but they're also, they're believable places. To a point, they're believable places. Yeah. Like, Bagar could be anything. Right. The long name one, where they didn't unjumble letters, that could be anything. I think that was just the name of the ship. And his home place could be anything. We don't know where that his home right, is. Right, right. It's presumably either France or Belgium. Somewhere Europe. Exactly. I'm going to go. to not push it one way or the other because production-wise, it's brilliant. Final product-wise, not so much. Okay. So I'll meet it halfway. I think that's fair. I think I might have been a little more impressed with final product than you were, but not enough to bump it up to a 0.75. I'm going a little hard on it right now. I understand that. Style and tone. I'm going to go with a 1.5 to start. I agree with that wholeheartedly because this thing is gorgeous. It's incredibly well shot. It is... I don't even, there aren't words. <laughs> you know what? I think the word is two. I think the word is two. I think style and tone, this I is a I think this two. movie looks unbelievable. It's so, uh, the fact that they brought in this caricaturist hair guy style and still made it look like these 3D modern movies. It's unbelievable. It's great. It really works. And these characters have so much character, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Right. Just in the way they look. Like Absolutely. The, the shape of and their face. And the way that they're acted. Yes. It's great. Amazing. Two for style and tone. Music. It is John fucking it is Williams. John fucking Williams. Doing his best impression of John fucking Williams. Yeah. Oh, my God. Because there are major Catch Me If You Can vibes in this thing. It's so good. But it works. It works so it's well. It's another period movie from him. Yes. And... I mean, John Williams is never going to go wrong. He deserves a Danny Elfman bump of one to start. Yes, easily. Um, He shot they shot this one, quote unquote, Disney style where Williams did the score first and then they animated to it. Which is never the way you should do it. Never. Unless you have John fucking Williams. I'm going to go with a full-blown one. I think that's- I think it's appropriate. It's not his best score. It's not his most it's memorable not, score. But it's very good. But man, does he kill it. There are probably parts of this movie that don't land at all without that music. I completely agree. And that brings us to one-liners. Nothing. I'm sure there's something if you live anywhere else in the world. <laughs> Fair enough. But there's nothing that lands for me. I got nothing. Zero zero and the final category is impact on the genre the complicated impact on the genre very complicated now if this doesn't say that this movie is not made for americans (laughs) i don't know what does this movie cost 135 million dollars to make yeah it made 373 million dollars cumulative worldwide gross not bad opening weekend usa Nine point seven million. Yeah, that's nothing. Its total U.S. gross is only seventy seven million. Doing these, I've it's rare to find a movie that doesn't gross to at least a hundred million. Right, these movies are designed to to gross money. They're not designed to be the most artistic thing in the world. Right, they're designed to make money, and this movie made money. Just not, not here. here. They released it internationally first, hoping that it would drive some hype for Americans to go see it when it came out here, and that. In itself is a problem. That, I mean, that says everything you need to know. And that's a weird thing because that more follows your kind of marketing chain of like your diffusion of innovators chart that you would have, where you have your innovators and your early adopters, early majority, late majority, and Mm -hmm. it's like the rest, if you will. Right. I don't know where this falls for the Americans because they tried to get. The rest of the world in on this thing as like an early adopter. Yeah, they wanted weird. They wanted Europeans to go like, "Oh, it's great, go see it." So Americans would think it's great, go see it. And then Americans didn't go see it. They didn't at all. Like no one saw this thing. No, I mean seventy-seven million is is very low. It is, but nine million is even lower than that. Like that is telling. That is not a good box office weekend. Terrible opening weekend. period. Period. It is Christmas weekend, and I don't know what else came out Christmas weekend in uh, 2011, but I'm sure there was probably some competition. I mean, Christmas weekend's a a tough one. Yeah. It is a tough one. And I just looked it up. You have Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol was on its second week. Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows, on its second week. The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo just debuted. Alvin and the Chipmunks, Chipwrecked, (laughs) is on its second week. Tin Tin second week. We bought a zoo second week. Warhorse, weirdly enough, which is also a Steven Spielberg. So he competed with himself. Interesting. On Christmas weekend. Bold strategy cotton. Which I don't get how that one works out. Studio mandates. That's my guess. It, it must be. But I mean. Because I want to say they held on to this for months before they released it locally. I'm not sure. But I mean, it came in fifth for that weekend. And the top grossing was Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which did 29 million that weekend. Yeah. So this thing got blown out of the water. Yeah. And I think it's telling that there is no sequel. I Especially mean, Especially because in all of the press junkets that they did, Peter Jackson is supposed to direct the sequel. Exactly. He's, and that was kind of the deal that they had. Exactly. It's like, yeah, you're going to do the sequel. I wouldn't say it's impossible for it to still come out. I mean, th- as recently as, I want to say, 2019, there's been more talks about it. Probably. But we're 10 years removed at this point, though. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, we were... 30 years it took Spielberg to make the first one, so. <laughs> All right, so you're right. He is famous for taking his time, I guess. But yeah, no, there's no sequel, and I don't think anybody here is clamoring for it. And it sounds I'd be like- i curious to see it. I would too. I'm not going to write a letter to my congressman begging for the sequel to The Adventures of Tintin, which might be named The Secret of the Unicorn. <laughs> I say that because it's marketed as The Adventures of Tintin, but anywhere you look, it says The Secret of the Unicorn, you're like, is this like a weird Edge of Tomorrow like <laughs> scenario where you're just trying to remarket it? I don't know. Right. I don't think this thing has a, a big impact at all. I don't think so either. If anything, I'll say 0.25 at the absolute max. Because pretty much what it does, Avatar did also. So even technologically, it's not even there. Right. I'm a, you know what? Te- no. Technologically, it got- Yeah. I'm going to go zero. Wow. Yeah. For for Golden Globe winning winner of best animated movie, the first non Pixar animated movie to win that. Yeah. Yes. I don't think that matters that much. It it's got because, disqualified for best yeah. animated feature for the Oscars because of the mocap because they didn't really understand what it was yet. Okay. That's fine. I just don't think this thing has any real impact at all. Yeah. I mean, John Williams got his well, he got a nomination, but You always will, too. Exactly. Uh, No, you're right. It's a zero. It's a zero. This movie not coming out would have had the exact same impact. I think it would have had the same impact. Yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing here. That's going to give The Adventures of Tintin a total score of 4.25. I'm fine with that. I think that that's about right. It feels either too high or too low. Which means it's probably probably spot on. (laughs) I feel like it's low for what it looks like, high for- what it the story it tells. Would you recommend this movie? Oh that's tough. It is tough. That's tough. It would very much depend on who I was talking to. And that's fair. And what's weird is I mean that in the opposite way I usually do. Now what hold on, now what do you mean? Where there's some people who I would be like, oh you really like watching movies and get really into it. You should watch this. This one, I'm thinking if it's something you're just gonna put on and do something else, watch it. Uh, that's fair. That actually completely checks out. And I know that this one's a bit of a tricky movie because there are parts of it that are incredibly good. Dirt, yeah. Overall, the movie's good. It is. But it doesn't really have any sticky factor to it. Yeah. And I realized that when I put out our episode post today asking for questions and comments. We only got one. Oh, really? And it's our buddy Micah. And it's because he's pretty much locked into a computer. Oasis, Ready Player One style. I'm convinced <laughs> at this point. He is the Wade Watts of the world. <laughs> and just waiting. Just waiting for an update. Does somebody need a, somebody need to need to ask a question? Somebody a question? I got you. That's why we always love Micah. <laughs> he's always ready to go. He wants to know, if Tintin took a sip sip of a drink drink, what would his alcohol of choice be? Oh God! And I don't know how old Tintin is, but exactly. it's Europe, up, so it doesn't matter. Right, right. I got my answer right away. Tintin's going to see that green fairy. Oh, you think so? Absolutely. He is just slamming down that absinthe. Oh, see, I, I take Getting him as that like a sugar cube guy, dripping down. He's like, I'm gonna solve the mystery of the blurb. <laughs> or whatever's gonna get me in the paper that I'm gonna yeah, write. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I. <laughs> You know what? I could see him getting just like, just Bailey's. Just straight Bailey's. Bailey's from a a boot. (laughs) Checks out. out. (laughs) Also. Schnapps. He seems like a schnapps drinker. What I'm saying is I have no idea. Because we don't know the character. What do young children drink? (laughs) (laughs) Just a lot of wounded soldiers at a pub (laughs) somewhere. (laughs) Natty ice. Sure. You know what? Fine. Something Belgian. The American Tintin. That's what he would drink. (laughs) He's all giggling all the time. American Tintin is something else that I would be interested in. It would piss (laughs) off most of the world. Uh, Yeah. Yes, it would. But it's just the right kind of pissing off the rest of the world that Americans can get behind. They would rally. For sure. (laughs) That's our Tintin. (laughs) Micah, thank you. Thank you, Micah. And speaking of drinking. I think I'm about to need one because, Brian, yep. what are we talking about next week? Well, Dave, there's a reason I didn't tear into Roger Ebert earlier. You played the karma card. And it's because he's about to pick what we're talking about next week. Always a scary moment. You never know how it's going to go. Roger's bony finger is currently on random.org <laughs> to get a number to correlate to our list. It's a that Ouija is board. on kpodcasters.com under the guests you can see the ghosts of roger ebert all the movies are there you can see what's on his list take a peek at his uh, list and uh, and exactly what the jawless wonder can pick brian did roger ebert gift us with his choice he has next week we are going to be talking about teen titans go to the movies from 2018 This has been one of those that has been on my radar for a long time that I am so excited to talk about. Never seen it. I never watched like Teen Titans Go or anything like that. Right. All I know is that this movie is weirdly like critically acclaimed,
1: and I kind of want to
0: know why. Yeah, I'm curious. I do know one thing about this movie, and all I can say is get ready for a recurring bit we have that should not happen in this episode. You're absolutely right. Uh, That bit (laughs) will snap into action next week. Sure will. Teen Titans go to the movies. Until then, thank you for listening. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you follow us on. Like us on all of our social media. At Kate Podcasters, we're on everything. Every single thing. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we're everywhere. Everywhere. It's too much. It's too much, man. But we're going to do it anyway for you. Right. You can find links to everything on com, where we have all of our episodes. You can listen. You can go through our archives and just see all of the nonsense that we've been doing for the last two and a half years. Right? You can hear the rough stuff from
1: yeah, first started Yeah, from the
0: beginning. Trying to figure it out until today, where we're, you know, figuring it out. Figuring it out. <laughs> a little more polished, maybe. Hopefully. Hopefully. Fake it till you make it, bud. <laughs> you can also check out our Patreon where we're doing exclusive Not-So-Super movies every month. This month we're doing Armageddon, like we already said Like a we've times. said, absolutely. Just, oh man, that movie. That movie indeed. Yeah. <laughs> it's really worth checking out that episode, guys. It is. When it comes out at the end of the month, it's going to drill a hole right to your heart. It sure is. <laughs> we want to make sure to thank our, uh, our patrons, Cubicle Monkey, Christian Barden, and our new patron, Michael P.S. Warren, for their contributions in the last week we really appreciate it guys for those of you guys not on patreon those episodes are so much fun to do Oh, they are so i hope that they're so much fun to listen to people have told us that it's some of their favorite stuff that we've done just because it's like the stuff that we really really yeah. really want to talk about yeah. the stuff that we're passionate about for whatever reason for whatever reason <laughs> you know movies that we make bits out of on this show Tend to show up on that show. They do, and so. that's kind of funny how that works out too. But <laughs> Guys, head over to Patreon.com slash Cape Podcasters. Subscribe as little as one dollar a month, and you get a bunch of content. Our yeah. promise to you is: you guys are paying for it. We're going to give you the goods. We're going to do what we can for you. Our promise. It's the least we can do. We might as well have more fun for you guys. Exactly. <laughs> you should hear us here. We're restrained here. We're not having fun. No, this is this is work. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com slash Podcasters. Head on over there. Make it happen. If you have anything you want to add, anything you want to ask, all of that good stuff, send it along to kpodcasters at gmail.com. And be sure to check out the Facebook, because, again, you can be like Micah and ask us a question when Dave posts up our, our. hey, we're recording this tonight. Ask us questions. Exactly. So, Guys, sincerely, thank you so much for listening every single week, week yeah. in and week out. We do this for you. Like, we stopped doing this for us a long, long time ago. <laughs> we love hearing from you guys. We like hearing that we might be able to help you through a day or absolutely just give you a haha somewhere just to kind of take you out of the shithole that is reality. <laughs> <laughs> just for, you know, maybe 90 minutes. Like, it's something. You guys don't have to listen to us. We appreciate you guys giving us your time. Yeah. We love doing this. We absolutely do. This is, like, cathartic on our end. Yeah. So we just really appreciate you guys giving us your time, your precious life minutes (laughs) that you're donating to us. Don't remind them that we're taking their life minutes. Don't remind them that they are mortal and that they will die one day and that they're wasting their time listening to a comic book movie podcast. (laughs) Don't do it. But sincerely, thank you. Yes, thank you so much. (laughs) You got anything else? I got nothing. Fantastic. We'll see you guys next week for Teen Titans. Go to the movies. Same pod time? Same pod. Sacra Belgium!